Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Rachel Cole. Rachel is a certified life coach and lawyer, and she helps attorneys find and keep romantic relationships. She's practiced for 12 years, and while she was there, she was killing it at work, but really struggled in her personal life. And she used to always feel that her boyfriend affected her mood. Sometimes would find the need for distraction meant she was working very hard, perpetuating the idea that I was a great lawyer who was terrible at love. But then she had an epiphany, and it is when you truly understand that you create your bad feelings 100% of the time, no matter what the other person does, you can make choices to change your life. You can stay with the person, you can break up with them. The only thing required for feeling better is to understand yourself. And if you're miserable, there's one simple reason why, because you don't understand you. Once you do, life is lighter and you can make quick decisions and you always know what to do. And that's what we're going to talk today about. I just want to welcome you, Rachel. It's really great to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So today we're going to be talking about the relationship thought model. And I'm really interested to learn more about this and how it relates to what's going on right now with relationships that people are having. So can you just tell us what is this model? Sure. It's just the model, right? I apply it to relationships because I'm a relationship coach, but it's essentially the idea that things happen in the world and the world sort of serves us a certain number of things. Those things are sometimes things that we create, like our job, our home, our children, right? Like our relationships. But once they are ours, they are a circumstance in our life. And we always get to choose, although it doesn't for sure feel that way, which is why life coaching is a thing, right? We have thoughts about circumstances, right? Some thoughts that feel really good, other thoughts that feel really terrible. And what brings people to coaching is that they believe those thoughts are just the facts of the world. Those thoughts create our feelings. That's our emotional life. And they're responsible for how we feel as we take action in our day. Um, How we're feeling determines and drives how we act and our action gets us our results. So the thought model is circumstances can trigger thoughts that create feelings which drive action getting us our results. It's a really important model and I think it's something to have in mind because it helps us keep a focus as we go through when we're getting those feelings generated and we're, we're thinking that that person is causing us to feel a certain way. So can you tell me, why is this model so important? Yeah. So the model was introduced to me by my master coach instructor, Brooke Castillo, founder of the Life Coach School, where I got certified as a coach last year. And I think why it's so important is because we spend, I mean, for sure lawyers, and uh, definitely was my experience, we spend so much of our lives trying to create behavior in other people, trying to get other people to do things differently, to say things differently, to show up differently so that we can feel better. We think if somebody else would just do more of this, less of this, whatever it may be, that our emotional experience will improve. And I think Brooke Castillo sort of found herself like, exhausted with and struggling with all of our best intentions and desires to change other people, which is like never something that we really can do or control. For sure, we can ask other people to behave differently, but we can't make them 
behave differently. And when we try to, we get manipulative and codependent. And so this thought model really um, just shifts the focus back to us, not in a self, um, self-absorbed way, but in a self-centric and self-centered way and in a selfish way to the extent that like, I think it's human nature to want to feel good. And I think it is human responsibility to learn how to make ourselves feel good so that everybody else in our life isn't responsible for that. And it improves our experience, which is the most important part. What often gets in the way? Is it our mindset? What would you say that is the biggest impediment to this? The way we're raised, the way we think about emotions and our actions, social media, publicity? What, what is it? I think it's two things. I think first, the emotional reaction, social media is such a great example because you're just seeing faces on a page with words underneath that I might see something and be super triggered by it. You might see it and be like, I don't even know this person. Who cares, right? I don't care about this at all. So what a perfect example of like before I even process that I'm having a thought about it, I just feel an emotion. At least that's how I've always experienced it. See the post, feel like crap, right? And, and that's that just describes like, think, it beautifully. Right? And it's like, you just go straight there and you're like, well, this post obviously made me feel like crap, right? And that conforms with what we were taught as young children that don't hurt Kelly's feelings by leaving her out, right? It's like, oh my God, I'm responsible for Kelly's feelings. I'm five. Like, how could that be? How could I be so powerful? But we're raised with that mindset. And so we carry that into adulthood. And I think it's the combination of being sort of socially programmed untold that we're responsible for other people and their feelings. We're responsible for creating feelings in them. And then also having that very human experience where it's like, see the post feel like crap. And so many of us don't go to like, wait, what am I thinking about this? The post by itself doesn't cause this emotion or else everyone in the world would react the same way to it. It is what I am thinking about it in that middle step that we often miss. So that's, I think, why it's so important. So our thoughts are extremely important as we go through this process. Can you tell me more about like, how can we develop and practice this? How can we stop ourselves from having those thoughts? Mm, I hate to tell you this, but we can't. <laughs> so, I mean, we can gain insight to them. We can see their optional nature and qualities. But I do think most people want to come work with a life coach because they want to not think thoughts that feel bad ever again. But we're human beings. That's what kept us alive and had us evolve to where we are now from living in caves and pushing rocks against things to create a home, right? Like now we're so sophisticated because we have this powerful fight or flight plan for the worst, hope for the best brain that just keeps us alive and keeps us growing and evolving. So to answer your question, like we're not going to kill the, the negative thoughts. That's just, I think selling that would be disingenuous, frankly, especially to a lawyer who's, okay, you're going to have to like give me a lobotomy to kill my bad thoughts. It is the process of learning how to identify them and sit with them and slow down. I think that's really the how, if I could put it in, in a package in a, in a simple uh, podcast format episode, right? Like the, the digestible bite-sized how is slowing down and just being like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I having such a powerful reaction to this post, right? Staying on the theme of, of the social media post. Oh, I'm having a reaction because it's making me feel like I'm not enough, right? I'm having the thought I'm not enough. And that's making me feel insecure. This post did nothing to me. I'm having the thought 
I'm not enough when I see this post of this person with this beautiful home and this beautiful family and on this amazing vacation and I'm here hustling to make my career and love life work and all the things. And it's like, they have everything. So their post is triggering a thought for me. I'm not enough, which is making me feel insecure. That's what's making me feel like crap. Right. And realizing questioning from their Faye, like, well, I don't have to think I'm not enough. I'm choosing that. Right. Like, who decides what's enough? What does enough mean? How do I know that like her life is as, I mean, this isn't all that helpful, but like, how do I know that her life is as amazing as this one second snapshot makes it look? Like, how do I portray myself in this amazing light some of the time, but really like there are moments that are hard. Maybe everyone has hard moments. It's kind of like massaging out the rigidity. I'm not enough. That's not totally true. Questioning that. And when it doesn't feel so true and absolute, that's when we can shift into something that feels better, right? Even if it's just a half step better, even if it's just, I'm, t- I'm all I need to be in this moment, right? I'm everything I need to be in this moment, or I'm on my way to believing that I'm enough. Something that feels believable to us becomes an option. So in terms of looking at how we would get back to putting this with a relationship, how would we tie this into the thoughts that we have in our relationships right now, especially during COVID when we're having a lot more stress and we're having a lot more intensity in our relationships because we're confined often in the same place for a number of days, for a number Mm -hmm. of time periods that can be quite condensed. So how would you address that? How would you take this model and apply it there? Yeah. So, I mean, to talk just quickly about COVID, COVID is one of those things that happens in the world, right? It is a circumstance. And as we know, from looking at the global response to COVID, some people really think it's a very serious problem. Uh, Some people do not care about it. (laughs) Half the country that I live in doesn't care about it. So, I mean, there are, it's such great proof that circumstances are always neutral because different people can have different thoughts about them. And so COVID has just introduced a new circumstance for many of us. It's just different than many of us have never lived through a global pandemic before. And so it's just a different thing, but it's still a neutral thing until you decide it's a serious problem or it's not a serious problem. And I think for many who have decided it is a serious problem, they are, as you mentioned, staying inside with their partners, having more conversations. Maybe somebody's lost a job. Maybe one of the children has not responded well to homeschooling, like all the things that come with the choice to take COVID as a serious problem, which was ultimately one that was reached between the two people in the relationship, right? They've both decided we're taking this seriously. We're staying home. We're confined, right? And from that place, it's like, yeah, there are things about the relationship dynamic that change when you're spending more time and co-parenting and co-working and co-living and all the other things that we typically do on our own during the course of a day, even if we are in a relationship. So I would say, you know, the model is still a life raft for anybody that knows how and wants to use it, right? Just slowing down. I feel trapped. I feel in conflict. I feel frustrated by what my partner's doing. All of those emotions, 100% of the time, come from the way that we're thinking, right? A sentence in our brain that's giving us that emotional reaction that's causing us to feel that frustration. And 
again, it's like, I think many people bristle at that at first and they're like, no, 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 it's my job. It's my kids. It's my husband. You for sure get to keep believing that it's your kids, your husband, your job. The problem with that is that those things are circumstances. We can't, coming back to our, our first topic, we can't change the husband, right? Like I, when I do consults with clients, I'm like, listen, we're never going to change your boyfriend. He's him. If he's going to change, it's because he's going to decide he wants to, and it's not going to be for you because we don't change for other people ever. We change for ourselves. And so when I'm working with clients, it's like, how can we shift so that the boyfriend isn't such a trigger so that the partner and the kids, the job, the fact that we're home during COVID isn't such a trigger because as long as that is our reality, it's like you can keep being mad at reality and that's our right as humans. 100% you get to stay mad, but if that mad, frustrated, uncomfortable feeling is causing you to feel like crap, you get to do something about it. And so that's what this work is about, whether it's COVID or just relationships in general, kid issues in general, what have you, it can all be applied to the model. That's why it's so, it's so useful. So how do we deal with the triggers? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's making a decision that, that again, like nothing is absolutely a trigger. I mean, even just thinking about true PTSD, fireworks, gunshots, you may have experience at, at war and be very triggered by the sound of fireworks. I don't have that history, both of us, because I'm a little neurotic and a Jewish girl from the Upper East Side. Um, I hear fireworks and I may jump and you may jump, but if I don't have that history of being deployed and in a wartime setting, that's the end of the reaction for me versus somebody who does have that history will then have a much more powerful emotional experience in response to that trigger. It's sort of separating, okay, that trigger is still always, always, always preceded by a thought. Even if the thought is completely justified, like people who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder because of experiences like that, 100% justified in their thinking. Like I'm not here to say they shouldn't be having those thoughts, right? Or that somebody who's been through some other emotional trauma shouldn't be having that thought. It is just, again, to put us back in our own agency, in our own power, that like the decision to have that thought is still a decision which is so freeing for the person triggered because it means they have agency. They can shift that thought when it's available to them, when they want to, and they're not confined with it and stuck with it for life if they don't want to be. And of course, with the same care that a psychologist or a psychiatrist can offer them to really truly manage what is traumatizing them from their past, 100% believe that all of that makes sense. But like handling our triggers is just like any other circumstance in the world where we recognize our thinking and we make a decision. Do we want to keep this thought? Is this thought really true? true? Just questioning it. Just because I'm triggered in this moment doesn't mean that that thing from my past that I'm so unhappy about and want so badly to avoid doesn't mean that thing is happening again. Just because this moment is reminding me of that, I'm still totally safe and sound in this moment. So it's just sort of coming back to that awareness. So the awareness is really a key part of this. What can we expect if we put this all together, we go through the model and we direct our attention to it as we go through some of these stressful experiences in our relationships? What can we expect if we actually take the time to think that we are thinking before we are doing? 
that the results that we create in our life will then be something we feel we have created instead of something that has just happened to us. I think um, people believe so deeply in timing and opportunity and um, what's you know really possible for us given age restrictions and physical restrictions and all of those things, right? I think about some of my clients who are in their 40s or even 50s and still want to be parents, right? That's just an example that's popping into my brain. Really getting curious about like, well, what does it mean to be a parent? Does that mean a biological parent? Does that mean a parent of a human child or a canine child or a feline child or some other kind of, right? It's like really getting curious about like how these absolute definitions in our mind have been laid out and challenging that so that we can create results in our life that are what we want, despite beliefs that we may have carried around with us for so long that timing decides whether we have the family we want or opportunity or physical capability or meeting the right person before this age or that age. Because again, just think about the stress and urgency and outsourcing of control that you have to sort of endure if you believe that timing decides whether or not you get to have your family or your body decides whether you get to have your family or you know whether or not your dream person walks into your life when you're 30 or 40 or 50 right like those things deciding your fate feels so disempowering so what about trying to believe something that actually gets you results that you want but it does require belief in those results before they're in your hand. And so that's where this work sort of uh, supports creating the things in, in your life that you want before you, before you have them, by believing in them. So basically what we can do by doing this is empower our, both our choices and our results in our life and believe that we are actually choosing to have the types of relationships that we are having rather than just saying this person is annoying me or this is complicated or I don't like this. We are then taking ourselves and stepping back and now empowering ourselves to have the relationship that we really want. Yeah, 100%. And putting ourselves back in responsibility, right? Even if it doesn't feel great, being truly, when you think about the meaning of the word responsibility, it's our ability to respond to our circumstances and that we always have a choice. Like Brooke Castillo talks about in her self-coaching scholars program, women feeling like, well, I have to take care of my kids. And she's, you do? Like, you don't have to take care of your kids. Like you could, you could stop taking care of your kids. Like maybe the authorities would come for you at some point if something bad happened, your kids like wandering around the neighborhood at five years old and almost gets hit by a car. Like what, something may happen, but it's like, then they kind of, I mean, taking it to the logical extreme, it's like they come and they take your child away, right? So you don't have to take care of your kids. Like you can do whatever you want. And it's, again, just putting us back in agency so that we're not like, I have to take care of these kids every day. It's like, no, I choose to do that. It might be hard, but I can do hard things and I'm going to choose to show up for my kids and take care of them. And so instead of thinking about it as like, I have to, thinking about it as, as a true choice. And those choices are so important and it really is empowering. I just want to thank you, Rachel, for coming on Her Legal Global. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.